Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Elisa Unfiltered. I'm so glad you're here. My name's Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, June the 9th. Okay, so you may have heard this, but I am hearing this everywhere. Everyone on television interviews and podcasts and on the news and like celebrities, and everyone just keeps saying how they can't believe it's already June. Have you heard that? Everyone's like, oh my God, it's June, it's June. I'm the exact same as <laughs> you may or may not know this about me in time. I like June. It's, we were actually two, just under two weeks until the days are getting shorter in my area of the world. And I'm just like, what? Oh, anyways, but I'm loving the hot weather here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, where I live. I've been spending every single second of my free time outside. Uh, we're still in full-blown lockdown where I live. So I'm making, I don't know, the most of my life at home by finding ways to connect with nature, with my cats, with my plants, my vegetable garden, you know, the fresh air. And of course, oh, my lovely, lovely, wonderful partner, Michael. And actually we were talking the other day about maybe doing a podcast together and talking about our relationship and just dissecting it a little bit and what happened and what's happening and how we're navigating this um, independently, and then how we're navigating all of this together. It might be kind of juicy, actually. So yeah, maybe uh, stay tuned for that. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know, during during the last month or so, I I don't know about you. I, I have been finding my alone time and time outside more sacred than ever. You know how you go through phases where you really feel connected to yourself? And then there's other times where it's just like a chaotic, messy, ugly disconnect. (laughs) Like, does that happen to you too? Yes, the pendulum swing of life will continue to bring us highs and lows. But it's also so interesting how it can bring us clarity, moments of clarity and alignment and connection as well. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I, I'm quite aligned with myself right now and it feels different. It feels different. That's sort of the essence. My priorities in life have shifted this year. And I know many, many, many of you listening right now know exactly what I mean by that. It's this I don't know, for lack of a better word, this global awakening where we've we've been given this fork in the road to choose from, you know? There's two choices, really, that is, is to keep going and try to keep things as normal as possible, like before the pandemic, and preserve some of that decay that's naturally occurring in our lives, or veer, 
veer off course a little bit. I don't like the word off course, off course. It's just veer, still move, still move in some sort of direction, but also embracing the unknown of this, of this new road. Instead of trying to preserve what once was, preserving the decay that was uh, 2019 or 2020 and prior, you know, we, we are sort of <clears throat> expanding, right? Expanding this road and what it looks like and what it feels like and moving into new territory. Some might call this evolving. I'm not sure what I want to call it. Now, this really brings me to like the core topic of today. This podcast is going to be like controversial, I think. It's going to be juicy. I really, I, I really feel like teaching in this podcast. There's a lot of stuff I've been processing and observing about myself. I'm going to get into all of that uh, and processing with other people and working through with some of my clients. Some of this stuff is just really coming to the surface for me right now. And I know that I'm going to trigger many, many people here because I want to speak about not only the growth I've experienced and, and uh, I want to share just like in my life, which is easy for me to do, but I also I want to share a little bit about the collective. No, I'm not going to talk about personal people. I'm going to talk about people as a whole, meaning the masses, society, populations, you know, humans of the world. So I also want to preface this podcast conversation, one-sided conversation, <laughs> by saying that I'm, I'm not speaking from a place of this righteous, holier-than-thou stance. In no way do I, am I taking this as a superior stance? I am really very humbled and I hold a lot of gratitude for the veer that I have taken, how I have veered through this experience and how it's guiding me and how I've been able to overcome and move through some of like the financial struggles and finding my purpose and creating new routine and finding a balance, you know, without, without the normal stuff, like my social life and traveling and adventuring and all of those things that were just such a huge part of my life before. I've talked about this many, many times in the show and I think it just keeps coming up for people. And I, so I want to touch on it a little bit here and because there was a massive void when COVID hit. And those of us who live in Canada are now sort of seeing the world open up and we're very much still in full blown red zone lockdown. Like this weekend, we're actually um, in Ontario where I live. We're moving into like this modified phase one of reopening. So however, gyms and restaurants, like anything indoors is, is really isn't scheduled to open until like maybe September August, September, it's a grind and a serious, like a serious, like identity shift. Okay. And I think we're all feeling it in our own unique ways and trying to navigate and mourn the loss of this aspect of our lives can feel freaking. it's like a grind. I myself, like, let's get into this. Okay. I have had, okay. I had a difficult May and I wasn't going to talk about this, but what the, what the heck it's actually, it's a very vulnerable and beautiful story. So why not share it? So if you listen to the podcast or you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm a coach and I work one-on-one -on -one primarily with women who struggle with confidence, body image, and I empower them to find their, 
their inner strength and power and step into their worth. Most of the time, it's people who are coming out of divorce or big breakups or like traumatic rock bottoms. Um, but anyone that has those little whispers that they that they want more for their lives, okay? This is because these types of skills are, are not what we learned growing up. It wasn't part of the collective belief for women specifically, and I'm going to get into that in this show. This is what the show is kind of all about. So on May 1st, um, going back, on May 1st, when I launched my brand new uh, program, my new portal, it didn't go as well as I had hoped, all right? I didn't hit one single business goal that I had set out for my business. Like, yeah, there is the coaching aspect of my job, which I love, and it's just absolutely fantastic. But then there's also the business aspect, and I struggle with the business side, all right? I'm being very open with you guys. I, I struggle with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I have to learn a lot. There's a huge learning curve on that side. So, I mean, I have some amazing new clients, but the launch was sort of a, a flop. Now, I'm, I'm saying this because typically when I quote unquote fail or fuck up or flop or whatever you want to call it, I go into this complete downward spiral of I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. I'm never going to make it in the world of business. You know, those that tyrant of the mind, the ego, those old buried emotions that come up and that that story, that loops of failure. You're not good enough. And you know, that it's that garbage bullshit dialogue, like I said, that I've buried deep inside of me and that loves to come up when things get hard. So it's interesting, you know, you can observe your own shit when things get hard. Where do you go in adversity or when you feel threatened or attacked or like your survival is, is under attack a little bit, all right? That's sort of a, um, a foreshadowing <laughs> for what's to come. So yeah, I didn't meet my, my goals, not even close. And yes, I had uh, a few binging ice cream on the kitchen floor moments, but I also approached this miss from a place, from a different place, okay? It was, it was more of, I held some inner compassion for myself. And this isn't the first time I've done this, but it's definitely one of the first times of this magnitude uh, that had been so so profound that I was using it in such a profound way in my life. And that's why I want to share it. I want to share what the outcome of the work that I do really looks like in reality. This is what it looks like. This isn't, this isn't some inspo quote. This is real life shit here. This was, and it was a very magical actually. I stayed as present minded um, as my mind, my body, my soul would allow, would allow it. And I clearly saw the path. Do I do what I had done before moments when I feel like I failed and sit in my pity party and victimize myself and judge myself and disrespect myself and all all of my hard work? Or do I veer? And of course, I veered. And for those of you who are are ready to veer or are hearing the whispers in your life and getting the nudges, or you're already veering, but you're kind of afraid and you're unsure about it, this episode might bring some clarity 
for you. And so, so keep listening. All right. Or at least I'm hoping it does, of course. Uh, now, what happened in the Veer was I decided to have my own back. I decided to sit, you know, with my ice cream and observe myself from my, observe my default reactions and allow them to come into my mind. I allowed my emotions to come up. I allowed myself to feel those things. I heard the judge. I heard the victim. Like I heard <laughs> that negative bullshit dialogue come up, but I chose to not take it personally. That voice is not me. That is my program. All right. I will get into that as well. It was so clear. Now, this story is not part of like that controversial element of the podcast that I was referring to, but it's related. So we need to sort of pay attention here. What I'm trying to say here is that I could have let my catastrophic course launch destroy me and crush my future plans and really make me feel insecure about what I'm doing, right? Or let it teach me. And I know that's a funny word, teach me, because in the moment when you're, okay, truthfully, when you're feeling your hard feelings and you're working through them, you can't see the lesson. There's no freaking way. At the time, you need to be present in your feelings. Your awareness practice and observing yourself without judgment will help you a get over this with grace and probably faster because you won't be holding on as tight and and b once you're on the other side you can begin to see the tweaks or the areas of improvement that you need to make in your life while continuing along the journey whatever direction that might be what life is teaching you isn't always this profound, life-changing lesson. We need to get that clear. It's not like people are like, oh, this taught me so much. Well, what did it actually teach you? What did you actually change in your life? How did you change the way you think and you respond to things? What, what does that actually look like? Is it just kind of like your justification? Are you just saying, oh yeah, I learned so much about this, but I'm gonna keep doing the same thing I always did because I actually didn't learn anything. I just wanna make myself feel better. <laughs> All right. It's all part of like how life teaches you is I want you to think about it this way. Degrees of perfection. It's all part of these little tweaks, little degrees of perfection. So in my circumstance with the launch, I missed something. I didn't do anything wrong, but I clearly missed something in my marketing. Maybe it was my offer. Maybe my offer wasn't clear enough or I just didn't hit the pain points that my program is guaranteed to solve, okay? Whatever it was, I, I was gonna let this experience happen for me. Let the chaos of my conditioned mind swirl and I was gonna keep coming back to my truth and keep coming back to my core and holding space for, for myself to observe and to feel. All right, so I would say things like, I am okay. I am not a failure. I am healthy. I am smart. I am a student of my life. This was meant for me, whether I know what it was, what that is or not. I, I will allow my feelings. I will feel my feelings. I don't need to bury this experience. So it probably took me like 14 days or so to get back into my body fully and absorb and release 
this energy, this hit. All the while, I just, you know, kept observing myself and sending love to the dark and going back to my childhood and holding that younger version of myself that had failed in the past and who had been shamed for it in the past and who felt like shit and just buried that shame in the past. And I held space. This is what having my own back looks like, right? It's to be able to move through adversity with compassion and self, a self-loving undertone, maybe not right away. Like, like I said, so those first few days, like I was feeling all these feelings. Yeah. It felt overwhelming. Yeah. I cried a lot. I was saying I ate ice cream. I, well, not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I was trying to soothe myself in any way that I could, right? The way, the best ways that I knew how. And then, but I was observing myself in that space. I was being present in that moment. I don't know if there's a, if you can see the distinction there between that, just letting it really over, overcome you and be, and then become you, all right? So, I think I brought up this story and just decided to tell it on this episode because it's during that time of my life or when I'm in alignment, like I was mentioning, when I feel aligned, I, I can question myself easier. It's easier to question these things and my reactions and observe myself and my reactions without taking them personally. All right. I didn't take this crappy launch personally. That's essentially what happened. And it's probably the first time in my life that I've been so personally invested in something and took risks. Like it was hard. I took risks and played everything by the book. I listened to my business coaches. I did everything that I was supposed to do and it didn't, I didn't get the outcome that I desired. And to be more specific, I didn't get any version of any outcome I desired. And I didn't punish myself for it. And now here's how this plays into the next part, because I had a few really special moments with myself. And as I reflected, I I was able to clearly see and understand and acknowledge and witness my program, my conditioning. So what is conditioning? I know I speak about this often, but like we need to talk about this more and more and more. When I say the words conditioning and program and domestication and automation, whatever, I, I kind of use a lot of things. I think I refer, I ref, I'm referring to the way, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we grew up and how we learned to be the way that we are. We learned to think the way that we do and believe and invest in ourselves, in our time, our money, our energy into what we think, quote unquote, think is right. It's how we think and believe and act and react. It's our habits, behaviors, you know, our default setting. And you see, we have all been trained or programmed a little differently. And we all have different paths, right? We've all had different paths. We've had different parents and faiths and upbringings and trauma and education. We have different likes and interests. And from all of that, our thoughts and beliefs are made. All right. So, so what happens? We attach, this is what happens. We attach ourselves to ideas. That is how our beliefs are created. All right. Here's a, here's a serious teaching moment. And anyone that's inside the Elisa unfiltered inner circle, oh my gosh, you're going to love this. Um, and those ideas, which were never ours in the first place, meaning someone else or something else showed us the way and we just agreed to it, 
it becomes what we call our opinion. So in reality, they're not ours. Our opinion was once someone else's opinion. Okay, that's that we just borrowed. So example, and I may have used this example before, but it's one that just always comes to the top of my mind. It's really easy to relate. So let's go back. Let's pretend you are eight years old. Okay, you're dining. You're you're dining at the at the dining room table, and and your grandmother is making you eat everything on your plate. And yes, this is hypothetical. Not all of us had grandmothers or ate all together as a family. I understand that. I'm just using this as an example. So feel free to insert any caretaker of your choice into this story. So the problem is you're eight years old, but you're not hungry. So no, you're not this little shit kid who is being stubborn. You are truly full. And you've said this, you've expressed this, and you've eaten as much as you can. So when you say you don't want anymore, but your grandmother keeps insisting and forcing you to finish your plate, you become confused. That's confusing to you. You know, she is the authority. Listen to your elders, whatever the other things you've learned growing up kind of fall into play. And, and so when you can't eat another bite, she'll move into the next degree and start to shame you. There, there are starving kids in Africa. Do you even realize how lucky you are? Uh, if you don't finish, you can't have dessert or play outside. Now, there's a punishment in there. So she might as well have just said, eat or die, right, when you're eight years old. So you sit there for as long as you can, for as long as it takes, and you eat the plate. And this sort of thing becomes kind of regular uh, because your grandmother has certain beliefs or your parents or your caretaker, they have beliefs that they're imposing on you. So... And as you get older and become an adult, so when you leave food on your plate as an adult, you feel bad. You feel like you're disrespecting the person who made the food. You feel like you're wasting food that would have benefited starving children elsewhere. Only now, it's not your grandmother's voice speaking these words. It's actually your voice. And you think that you are the problem. You think the you are the reason that you overeat, that you might have a weight problem, that you might feel anxious around food, that your relationship to food is maybe unhealthy, that you want to please people. So, you know, and you eat food when you're full or whatever it is, okay? And you think you are the problem, but you're not the problem. You were trained. It's only that our mind, specifically the ego, can no longer differentiate between your conditioning and your training and then your own voice. So you self-domesticate, you're self-conditioning now. You were conditioned from the world and now you're self-conditioning. But you think it's you. Do you get it? Now, this happens all the time. Oh my God. In all circumstances, all the time, thousands of times a day. Anytime we think or believe something, this has been, this is the process you know, that's how we, you know, you're all mothers and fathers, parents out there, people that take care of kids. You're like teaching your kids how to do things, right? And most, like, every time, okay, I just want to rewind here. Every time we feel shame, it's not our shame. It's been programmed into us by others, whether they had the good intentions, the best intentions or not. You know, everyone's doing their best here. I'm not shaming parents in any way. But we learn and we pick up things as we go through and experience life. Like, no, when you're eight years old, you have no idea what's happening. 
and you have no conscious awareness that you even have a choice in your program. You just believe, you have blind faith that your grandmother knows what's best for you and what's right for you. So we all learn in one way or another how to sort of question or or shut up or abandon our true voice, even in what feels like the smallest of ways. All right, so when you start to tap in and pay attention to the way you have been conditioned, you can take a step back and, and put some space between that thought and the origin, like the true origin of the thought, or maybe, just maybe, use that information, see it clearly, and veer, and start listening to your truth a little bit, and stepping into your power and, and creating your own, your your true belief about this, all right? Now, not everything that we have learned needs to be questioned or is harmful either. Like caretakers out there in the world today are doing their best to keep you safe, right? Like we have learned some pretty fabulous things in our lives as well, specifically how to survive. We are surviving. You are a survivor. You have survived every single thing in your life to this day. You are alive. You are here. You did things. You learned things. You saw things. You found ways to survive them all, to get through them all. And some of those survival skills, including thought processes and beliefs and actions and reactions are still serving you today. This is a good thing. You are still benefiting from them. However, some are not. Now, this entire rant here and the context of this rant will be amplified and might test or trigger some of you and your beliefs in just a second. But I just wanted to explain this process a little bit because our beliefs are so powerful. My definition of failure and failing, which contributed to all of my fears and not taking risks and not starting my business until, you know, I thought I needed to have all my ducks in a row. And, you know, that feeling of staying stuck and not trusting myself to succeed because that's a big part of feeling like a failure is you don't trust yourself to succeed. And all that bullshit story that many of us loop in over and over that I observed and that I knew was no longer serving me in my life. So the need to stay small and hide and shrink and not take risks, that was a survival skill that I learned through my life. And it's no longer serving me. So I wanted to change it. So I did. Now, your beliefs can change. Personal beliefs and also the beliefs of the collective. So let's get into that a little bit here. And this is an interesting example. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. After I sort of flopped my launch, I started to read this new marketing book. I'm going to grab it here. And I... I got it for my birthday. The book is called Breakthrough Advertising, and it was written actually in 1966. But the interesting part is that all of the strategies used in today's marketing began here. So the guy who wrote the book, his name's Eugene Schwartz. He essentially created the playbook for modern day marketing. It's fascinating. Reading this is like, whoa. So the formula, companies use for marketing is the exact same formula that this guy created in 1966. It's so good. It still works. It's still like, this is how, and by marketing, I, I like to sort of, after reading this book now, I like to say it's like collective manipulation, how to get you to buy something or to consume something or give your money or trade. Like what's the benefit? It's very interesting. Anyways, 
I'm bringing this up because 1966 doesn't seem like that long ago, you know, in the context of life. I mean, there are people listening to the show right now who were born around that time or before that time. Others like myself, my parents were teenagers around that time. So yes, it seems sort of like an old book, but we're not talking ancient history, okay? So earlier I spoke about this, the collective belief system. It's like a community or a state province or a national or global way of thinking versus your personal belief, which might be the same as, you know, the global, or it might differ from the collective, right? So I actually, I just want to read this piece of piece of this book here. Hold on a second. And the, this small section that, um, I'm about to read, uh, was written in the context of marketing to a person's role. Okay. You don't need to know what that means, but I just want to read this. Okay. So achievement rules. These are the status rules, class rules, position rules that are created by every society on earth and offered to the men and women who can earn them. In a civilization as complex as ours, there are literally hundreds of them, usually expressed by nouns, with the nouns serving as titles. For example, for men, there are executive, homeowner, $20,000 man, five handicap, man of the house, boss, and dozens more embracing every activity in our lives. For women, the primary achievement rules to be one is wife, <laughs> mother, civic leader, fashion setter, and so on and so on. The list for both men and women is endless. I'm gonna stop right there. Okay, so this is literally one tiny, tiny section of the book, okay? The point I'm trying to make is that it's incredibly chauvinistic. It literally does not refer to women as anything but wife, house cleaner. So all of the advertisements are like, get your whites whiter, whitewash, you know? Uh, and, and, and all these things to serve their man. It is not female empowerment whatsoever. It's like, be a wife and make sure the house is clean AF for when your, your money-making man comes home, okay? And of course, women in that era were spoken to in that way. They were treated as second to the man and they were also marketed to in that way. That's, I don't like using the way it was, but that's the way it was. All the media portrayed the ultimate goal for a woman was to get married and become a wife and also to lose weight and make sure you look like a good wife, right? So obviously the women in this idea, like they agreed to this idea at some point in their lives, whether they were forced into it or not, whether they liked to agree to it or not. And then they strived to be a wife. That was kind of like the goal of a woman was to be a wife, to be chosen, to be picked. You know, they learned that in order to be important, they must be a, must be wives. So do you see where this is going? <laughs> so there was a collective belief and this book really like amplified that for me and made it so clear. I was, I'm reading it and yeah, there's a, a lot of value to the, the process and the playbook, but it's hard to read. I have to say like, I would not tolerate being spoken to in that way. If anyone dared to market to a woman now in this way, they would be like <laughs> burned at the stake <laughs> or something like, 
I just, these women, okay, in the 60s, so at, there was this collective belief and women played their roles. They thought they were in control playing these roles, choosing what was best for them and their families. But really those ideas came from growing up and from learning from others and learning from the collective and how they were treated as the collective. And then, and it was around the sixties, I believe actually it was even before that, um, the collective tone of women in North America, it really started to shift. And I don't know all the facts about this, but I know like that time, like women's rights movements were really coming to the surface and women started to break the mold. I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. I want to have a career. I want my independence. I don't love men. I love women and I want to marry a woman. You know, I want to start my own business and so on and so forth, so forth, right? So that, that is the whole American family model way of living before it was starting to crumble, you know, or, or something like that in that time, things started to really change. Anyways, I digress, even though this is like fascinating shit to me, like, whoa. Now, now little girls of any color or ethnicity or uh, culture, they can grow up dreaming of a life that the little girls in the 60s wouldn't even dare. They wouldn't even dare. So the collective beliefs, in other words, are they're changing and people, they don't think the way that they used to. They try and people fight against it for sure, but they don't think the way that they used to. Things are changing. That's my point. In, in many parts of the world, most parts of the world, I should say, women are treated and viewed as equal in, in one way, shape or form, right? Things are changing. Gender roles are shifting. Language around that is shifting. You know, we define the definition of wife is shifting. Mother is shifting. Being single is shifting, right? So I'm talking about this because when you wake up in your life and you start to become aware of whose belief is real to you anyways, you begin to think independently about your wants and your dreams and your passions and desires and your values and your needs, right? Instead of what you've been taught to want. And every now and then the world evolves as a collective from one individual. That's pretty powerful. So, and here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going to get controversial now. Well, maybe. Let's, <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of coffee here. Mm. Let's talk about the pandemic. Let's just sort of zoom out for a second and look at the stages of belief people have been through. Okay. So the stages, um, I'm going to choose my words carefully here. Uh, stages of control, stages of language used in the media and the methods that have been used to manipulate the way you feel about the pandemic, about the way you feel about the world, how you judge other countries, how you judge other people, how you are involved in this whole thing. All right. It about, you know, total economic shutdown, about widespread panic, fear driven media, Government threats, like our government threats, the fines, the forced stay at home orders, all of that. And then it's all like this undertone of for the sake of your safety. Now, 
This is gonna be controversial in the sense that, okay, I, I, I wanna just say, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-masker, all of that stuff. That's not what I am. And I know people are gonna go there when I say this. However, I do believe in the collective belief system and the power that it has to you know, swirl, especially when it's fear-driven. And the pandemic has created the ultimate mindset shift mind fuck of all time. I really honestly, truly believe that. When when you get a person fearing for their lives, and this is even something, it's really interesting. This is something I learned in my marketing book as well. When you get someone uh, fearing for their lives, you know, they'll act in a certain way. But when you get them fearing for the lives of their family or loved ones, they will pretty much do anything. It's nine times out of 10. In fact, I've had so many conversations of people saying, well, yeah, I'm getting the vaccine, but I, I don't feel like I'm not doing this for me. I'm going to be okay. It's for my mom or for my grandmother or for my family, right? How many of us have said that exact language? It's not really for me. It's for them. I'm not talking about everyone here. Some people are like, damn straight. I freaking want this because I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to die. I believe that I will die if I get this or whatever. Okay. And the whole reason I'm even bringing this up or mentioning it outside of the fact that my life's work is to help people achieve total awareness of their truth is because this week I have seen more and more people and yes, This is my own trigger that I'm observing. I am seeing people posting about getting vaccinated um, on Instagram, on social media. Okay, now there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. But what I'm seeing is people, like how proud they are, how relieved they are. And people are dancing in the street, you know? They're they're doing like TikTok dances. They're, They're, you know, they, they believe that, you know, the government has their back and that the vaccines have saved them and that they're going to be safe now and they are saving other people. And in many cases that they are, they're playing their civic duty to the country, to their country to save the world. Right. And that's all fine and good there. Those are logical reasons in my mind anyways, those are logical reasons to get vaccinated and to maybe show them off. However, now people are making vaccines cool. All right, it's trending, it's trending and it's influencing people. And I'm not saying that there's anything right or wrong about this, but it's a very interesting thing to really observe. And this is like this advertising, this marketing, this manipulation. They're at, people are advertising themselves as this lifesaver, this hero, hero mentality person. Like they're better than other people and they're superior. To, to be vaccinated means you're superior. To be unvaccinated means you're inferior. How many people have thought of that with other vaccines too? You know, with other medical choice, life-changing choices, you're putting something into your body and now you're better than someone else. Like how the ego kind of makes you uh, feel empowered in those areas. This is what I want you to observe. Okay, this is the reason for this whole podcast. So I'm watching this unfold. And from, from day one to day 100, to day 365, to day 500, and, and now, into now, how the majority of people, how they've fallen in line 
in accordance with the media and marketing and the government and all of those things. Like that is a lot of power to have, to be able to get millions of people to get a vaccine that doesn't even prevent you from getting COVID, all right? You know, it was trialed really quickly. People don't know the long-term effects. I'm not like, this is the part where people are gonna get angry with me, but I have to say it, you know, because there are people that are getting sick. There are big side effects out there occurring. But we don't even care about that because putting it into our bodies makes us feel safe and makes us feel like our families will be safe. That is like the collective tone. That's the collective belief that has been like ingrained into us super quickly. I think it's incredible. And I'm not saying this, that we're being duped. You know, maybe we are, maybe we're not. That's not the point. Or I'm not saying that you shouldn't get the vaccine. Truthfully, I have my first shot booked for June 25th. That was the closest time that I could get shot number one here where I live. And I'm still undecided if I want to take it or not because I'm still observing and I'm questioning. That's within my right. It's it's within my right. I have this little spidey sense triggering me, saying some pretty loud and pretty clear messaging. And I'm listening to myself and I'm watching the media from all sides and I'm questioning the collective belief that the vaccine means freedom, safety, safety to others. I don't, I don't know why I have this sense of unease. I just know that it's there. And I know that I'm not alone with that. And I know how easy it is to be influenced to just kind of stuff that down and bury that feeling and just be to live in the box of what I'm being told and to trust with blind faith that this is the answer. Like that's my truth. I also know many people listening feel uneasy about it too. Like other others totally don't. They're convinced this is my truth. They believe and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just I really find it interesting how quickly we can shift when our survival is at risk. You know, I also think following, ugh, this is going to be another trigger I know, following the money. It's important. Who's funding this shit? Who is funding the messages that you are absorbing? You know how much power, how much money is behind this? Who's getting richer right now? Who's getting poorer and more vulnerable and easier to manipulate? I think this whole thing, if you if you look, observe it, if you zoom out and observe it from a place that you're being manipulated, it does change the tone. It does kind of bring out your inner gut feeling a little bit more. And if you zoom out and you look down on the planet and what's happening from really far away, from like above, take yourself out of the equation, take your parents and your loved ones out of the equation, it's completely fucked up. It's fucked how polarized we've become, you know, how... You know, even many people listening to me right now today, they're going to be mad at me. They might hate me and never listen to the show again because I'm questioning this, you know, because of my quote unquote opinion about how things are moving so quickly and people are falling in line. And I just like don't feel good about that. And how many people think, you know, are calling me a conspiracy theorist and saying, how dare she say these things, (laughs) you know, or think that I'm a complete idiot. You know, which is fine. And how many people are looking up articles right now to send me 
to support their belief systems and want me to read them so that I know the truth. You know, whose truth is it? Their truth? Your truth? Who? Who are you believing to the point that you're celebrating a vaccine on Instagram? You know, who are you believing to the point that you're shaming people for getting the vaccine? Because there's lots of those people out there too that are shaming people. You know, why are you attaching your blind faith onto those principles? That's the question of the podcast. That's the question of the day. This is what I'm questioning. I've been observing my own beliefs, but I'm also observing those of the collective and we're so polarized. So we, here's the thing. Our brains, we like people who think the way we think, that believe the way we believe. That's how communities are formed. That's how alliances are made. That's how trust is built, you know? How can you trust someone who doesn't think the same way as you? And that's how things start swirling and we divide, we become divided. You know, people want you to act the way that they act. The moment someone steps outside of that, we don't like them anymore or we don't trust them anymore or they're not part, they, they, they're, they're different. So I urge you, I urge you at the very least to observe yourself from that perspective. Why do you believe the things that you believe? Are you listening to your gut feelings? Who are you doing this for? Can you see both sides? All right. It's really fascinating work to just sit with that. And it might come out to the exact same conclusion. It might not. I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. <laughs> There's so many opinions. I've had loads of conversations with loads of people and everyone sort of has chosen a side or chosen their stance for specific reasons. And I just think it's really important to maybe look at that from an overhead view, zoom out and look at that from a little bit of a different perspective. Anyways, that was a long explanation. And I hope that y'all pulled some interesting points just to ponder. If anything, like just ponder and reflect on what has happened over the last 18 months and where you're at and why you believe the things that you do. If you learned anything or you wish to express yourself, feel free to find me on Instagram at, at Elisa Curry Lowitz, E-L-I-S-A-K-U-R-Y-L-O-W-I-C-Z. And let me know, like, I, I know this is a one-sided conversation, but please feel free, reach out to me. You are not alone. You are also allowed to have your own opinions. I will never silence anyone's voices. Uh, and while you're there, give me a follow. I have some really interesting stuff coming down the pipeline soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And also thank you for holding space for me to talk about this highly, highly sensitive subject. There was a lot of gems in there as well that I hope that you took away. <laughs> I don't want to make this all about the pandemic and about COVID and about the vaccines. There's a lot of stuff just to think about, about how you believe um, and how you act and react and, and how you can shift out of that and how you can start, how the practice of awareness can help you start to build the life that you really desire uh, without shame and being able to let go of some of those things that are hiding and shrinking your light as well. So I appreciate you all so much. 
Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. I cannot believe how fast that just flew by. And if you want more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. And if you're looking for a new crew of body love, self-care, and confidence builders just like yourself, be sure to join my exclusive community over on Facebook. The link is waiting for you at elisaunfiltered.com. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.